Hi. If you enjoy Law to Fact, I want to tell you about another podcast I host. It's called Legal Tensor, and with the same blend of fun and substance as Law to Fact, guests join me to discuss timely legal issues. It's a great way to gain insights and to help you start a conversation on legal stuff that matters. It's available on all the usual podcast platforms. And while you're at it, if you could subscribe or like either of our podcasts, it would be super helpful. And now here's an episode of Law to Fact. Hello, this is Leslie Garfield Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. Today I'm speaking homicide with Professor Audrey Rogers. In this episode, I speak with Professor Audrey Rogers, Professor of Law at the Elizabeth Help School of Law at Pace University. She talks about the different levels of homicide, points out two really important facts. First, Intentional homicide can be defined as manslaughter or murder. And secondly, the most important thing when considering homicide is read the statutes, as different jurisdictions define homicide differently depending on the statute. Enjoy. I do want to say one thing about homicide. My experience with homicide is that it always involves killing another. And one time I gave an exam where someone shot a dog. Oh. And my students... Like three students said that was another, and I know there's pet people out there. Human being, yeah, it's got to be a human being. All right, so tell me a little bit about homicide. So homicide is the unlawful killing of another, Mm -hmm. meaning it's not defensible. Okay, and typically it's divided into degrees because blameworthiness is is linked to punishment, and the more heinous the homicide, the more punishment you would receive Mm -hmm. and the big divide in homicide is typically between murder Mm -hmm. and manslaughter okay and traditionally murder would be a killing with what they call malice aforethought which what is malice aforethought well it's a it's really a term of art it doesn't really mean what it sounds like it means um that the killing deserves the utmost punishment. And there are different ways you can satisfy this malice of forethought requirement that stemmed from early common law. You can meet this malice of forethought um, standard by an intentional killing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I see my enemy across the street, I grab a gun and I say bang. Yes. And... Even intentional killings in some jurisdictions are divided even further that the worst intentional killings are those that are doleful, deliberate, and premeditation. Mm -hmm. Um, Other jurisdictions just say it has to be intentional. All right, so so let me just, two things I want to ask you now that you point this out. The first is when you say other jurisdictions, so each jurisdiction writes its own set of criminal laws, its own set of homicides, so it may only be intentionally killing another in one jurisdiction, but it could be premeditated, willful, and deliberate in the other. Okay, so you have to look at what the statute is in your jurisdiction. You totally have to look at what the statute is. Even the degree structure Mm -hmm. doesn't mean necessarily anything. The highest degree of... Homicide in New York, for instance, the most common is second-degree murder. First-degree is the same uh, blameworthiness, but special circumstances. Right. So second-degree is not necessarily always worse or less 
punishable than first degree. Right. You so have you have to look really at... look at the statutory language mm -hmm. and how that jurisdiction decided to differentiate between different types of killing. Okay, so the most important thing is that in order to interpret the elements of a homicide statute, you have to look at the elements as drafted for that particular jurisdiction. Absolutely. Now, my next question is getting back to murder. Mm -hmm. Some jurisdictions say it's the intentional killing of another, and some jurisdictions say it's the premeditated willful. What's the difference between just intentional killing and a premeditated and willful Good. killing? So an intentional killing mm -hmm. doesn't need to have been thought about in advance. It could be just a sudden, impulsive act of violence. So, for example? So, for example, somebody insults you, in a famous case, the guy was teased about his nose. He takes out a knife and he stabs the victim to death. And in that moment, he said, I want that victim dead because he insulted Absolutely me. Right. That's enough. So he had definitely had intent. It was his conscious objective to cause the death, but he hadn't planned it in advance. Okay. Other jurisdictions will say, well, really the planning uh, in advance, mm -hmm. the premeditation shows that you're the most heinous type of cold-blooded murderer, like a contract killer. Okay. Or, or somebody who stalks his victim in advance, okay. plans it, executes it, has time to reconsider, but still goes ahead. That premeditated murder, they consider the worst type of So murder. more of a reflection. Right. Okay. To have some reflection of time. And, and in some jurisdictions, am I correct in saying that it only takes a moment of reflection? Yes. Some jurisdictions have interpreted um, uh, premeditation to just mean intentional, which kind of wipes it out of the statute. Right. The question to think about is, so somebody who plans a murder might be more culpable, mm -hmm. but somebody who does it impulsively might be more dangerous. So some jurisdictions have eliminated the distinction, just say all intentional murders should be punished to the same degree. Okay. That's perfect. the rationale okay. behind the two versions. And that's really murder. It's the intentional killing of another it's, or the premeditate. That's traditionally murder one. That's your traditional view of murder. Right. But murder, which traditionally needed malice aforethought, right. some statutes still use those words, most more modern statutes don't, can be satisfied even with an unintentional killing. That... that the jurisdiction decides is just as worthy of punishment as a, a planned or an intentional murder. Murder. So two types of unintentional acts that could rise to the level of being a murder. Mm -hmm. Felony murder. Okay. The unintentional death caused during the commission of certain felonies. Typically, enumerated felonies considered the most dangerous, burglary, robbery, arson, rape, kidnapping. If a death occurs that's caused during the commission of or escape from this felony, you can be charged with murder. It's usually a lesser degree, second or third degree murder, mm -hmm. but you're still in the murder category. Right, So, and I always thought that was so interesting because you can have murder, mm -hmm. even though it's unintentional, maybe Absolutely. either, you know, you intended the arson that caused the murder yes. or, or depraved heart, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a moment, because it's the word murder which means we're going to punish you the most. The mo Absolutely, okay. you're 100% correct, okay. Professor Thames. All right, so... <laughs> and then typically your third type of murder is what you mentioned, this unintentional, but killing, but that's done with such 
depravity, they call it... Um, depraved heart. Depraved heart murder. I mean, you're so indifferent mm-hmm. to the risk of death that we think you're equivalent to a murderer and we're going to punish you like a murderer. So somebody who, the classic example, shoots his gun out in a crowd, indifferent to whether it's going to hit somebody. Right. Or somebody who opens the lion cages at the zoo, that's a famous example, just to see what happens. Right. As the peop- and people who get killed by this lion, it's, you were indifferent and you're going to be charged as a murderer. So the mens rea for that is not intent, it's usually recklessness plus this degree of um, depraved indifference to human life. Right. I used to call it uber recklessness right so like dry so to me driving through a school zone at three o'clock in the afternoon is depraved hard if school's letting out at three o'clock in the afternoon or would you um well all right we can it depends are you driving at 100 miles an hour because you want to go home to watch your favorite tv show are you driving blindfolded for instance just to see haha can i do it that would be depraved if you're just kind of driving through a school zone maybe just a little bit over the that might not rise to the level right It's more fact-specific. Okay. So if you don't have malice aforethought Mm -hmm. and somebody dies, you can still be charged with a homicide, but will typically drop out of the murder category and into what is traditionally known as the manslaughter category. Okay. And there's two types of manslaughter, right? Right. Okay. There's two types of manslaughter, just like you have intentional and unintentional murders. Mm Mm-hmm. You can have intentional and unintentional manslaughter. Okay. And the most typical intentional manslaughter is one where you've intentionally killed somebody, but you have mitigating circumstances such as some sort of provocation mm-hmm. or extreme emotional disturbance that um, even though you've killed somebody intentionally, the jurisdiction recognizes that you're not quite as bad as an intentional murder because there are outside circumstances. You um, have seen your spouse committing adultery, which is controversial, but that's typically one of the provoking events. You were involved in mutual combat. You were involved in an extreme assault. You, You were sought um, harm to a loved one um, so that if you can prove the elements of either the provocation, mm-hmm. which every jurisdiction has different requirements. Yeah, so, so let me ask you about that. So as I understand it, mm-hmm. for voluntary manslaughter, mm-hmm. some jurisdictions have what we call heat of passion, right. and the other jurisdictions, the ones that tend to follow the model penal code, have extreme emotional disturbance, right? right? So it's the intentional killing of another with heat of passion, right. or in the heat of passion, or the extension, the intentional killing of another under extreme emotional disturbance. Correct. So let's say we're in a jurisdiction which has heat of passion. You have to prove they intended to kill another mm-hmm. with heat of passion. Uh-huh. What are the elements of heat of passion? Okay. So for heat of passion, typically you need to have um, both, um, you have to subjectively actually been provoked. Right. You can't just use an excuse. Oh, I see my wife committing adultery. I don't really care, but I'm going to kill her anyhow. (laughs) You have to really be in the heat of passion. Right, so like inflamed. Inflamed. 
Um, it also has an objective component, and a reasonable person mm-hmm. would be inflamed. Now, this right. is crucial. Not that a reasonable person would kill, but that a reasonable person would be inflamed. Oh, interesting. Okay. Also, you have to have not cooled off by the time you've done the killing, mm-hmm. and a reasonable person would not have cooled off. So there's really four elements. So what would be an example of someone who was convicted under heat of passion? Convicted of heat, under yeah. heat of passion? Well, convicted with the... Is it affirmative defense heat of passion? Usually it's an yeah. affirmative defense. With the affirmative defense of heat of passion. Meaning they get lesser punishment. Yeah, so they're found guilty of oh, voluntary, voluntary manslaughter. Voluntary manslaughter. Um, a case might be where you hear that you... You've heard a rumor that your neighbor has molested your child. Okay. And you, the moment you hear about it, you run out and kill your neighbor. Right? Okay. So we'd have to prove that you were inflamed. Right. That a reasonable person would be inflamed. Right. That you acted suddenly, you know. You it's like the moment you heard it, not that you went home and right. got it. Right. And then that you, a reasonable person would have right. been. Now, the problem is some jurisdictions have said word, mere words are not sufficient. You would actually have to see it. Okay. Now, if you saw it, then you could probably kill the person in self, you know, using right. defense of others. Right. So this very strict jurisdiction would say it can't be just hearing about it. Got it. So it's like kind of a wrinkle in this. I see. Right? Okay. All right. Uh, another one would be you're in, in in a fight in a bar and you're being beaten up so extremely that you lash out mm-hmm. and kill the person. You're not entitled to use self-defense because you went beyond self-defense, but right. a re- reasonable person would have also been inflamed and and you did it right away. You didn't go home and wait with this opportunity to cool off. So it's like a middle ground, actually. So you have intentional murder, right. which is m- murder in the first degree. Right. If you add on heat of passion, or right, then there, that's kind of an affirmative defense, which reduces the murder tied to the punishment to manslaughter, which is going to be lesser punishment. Absolutely. But you're still intending to murder uh, in a way no, where no, you're, you're not... intending to kill. You're still... I'm sorry. Thank you. you. Were, you intending now, to kill right. in a way that would not entitle you to a self-defense right. Um, right. defense. Right. So it's like this middle ground. Oh, Correct. That makes sense. And okay. Basically, if you want to be technical, it's a killing without malice aforethought mm-hmm. because you have an adequate provocation. Right. That the law the says, moment. well, we recognize that this could be a very inflammatory mm-hmm. situation. Okay, great. And what about EED, extreme okay. emotional disturbance? So jurisdictions that follow the model penal code, they don't even really call it voluntary manslaughter anymore. They'll go to first-degree manslaughter. Um, more modern jurisdictions will say, well, let's look at these requirements, provocation, why does it have to be from an outside source, cooling off. Well, that's not really the way the brain works. You could brood over something. You could get worse over time Mm -hmm. rather than better. So they eliminated the cooling off um, requirement. And and they eliminate the word provocation. They say if you are um, operating under an extreme emotional disturbance, meaning you're subjectively extremely emotionally disturbed, right? and then it adds the requirement, and a reasonable person in your situation would also be extremely emotionally disturbed, mm-hmm. that you can 
seek this reduction based on the disturbance. And now because it doesn't have such strict categories of what is a provoking event, it opens it up to many more situations. Insulting, highly derogatory words, information that's highly upsetting. Um, it, it really opens up the range of situations that a person can get the reduction even though it's an intentional killing. So would you that would you say that's the difference between extreme emotional disturbance and heat of passion? It's much more open-ended much more as open-ended. what will be adequate disturbance and and also doesn't require the cooling off. It doesn't require the cooling off. Right. Okay, that makes total sense. Right. So right. now um, And again, wait, I'm going to interrupt you. It's not like you can say these are the facts. They fit more into extreme emotional disturbance and heat of passion. You're 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 basically handcuffed, for lack of a better word, by the jurisdiction. Absolutely. So you have to see what your jurisdiction has and whether the facts fit into that jurisdiction. Absolutely. Okay. It doesn't make any sense to look at cooling off periods if it's not a uh, if it's an EED jurisdiction, okay. for example. And I guess so. So we have intentional murder. Depraved hard felony murder, voluntary manslaughter, uh-huh. which and is heat of passion or extreme emotional disturbance. Right. And wait, well, there's another okay. category, oh. that another type of event that might fall into voluntary manslaughter. Uh-huh. That is what we would call, in some jurisdictions, imperfect self-defense. Okay. Meaning you have intentionally killed a person, right. but you... you do you not meet the elements of self-defense because it was an unreasonable belief on your part or something, or it wasn't um, a complete exoneration. Okay. You will then be found to have not the malice of forethought that's needed for murder, but you're still going to be punished. Mm-hmm. So that could fall into the um, intentional... Uh, killing that is reduced, so in the voluntary manslaughter category. Okay. And so what about involuntary manslaughter? Okay. So now, again, the term involuntary manslaughter is used in some jurisdictions. Others will just say it's an unintentional killing. Mm -hmm. That's when you don't have the intent to kill. It's it's with a mens rea of less than intent. So it's like reckless reckless, homicide. Reckless homicide. How about drunk driving? Well, reckless... Drunk driving could fall, that results in a killing, would definitely fall into um, unintentional manslaughter. And if the drunk driving is severe enough, mm-hmm. the way, how drunk you are and how you drove, it could actually be p- kicked up to depraved indifference murder. Oh, okay. Right? So um, you could be reckless, and in some jurisdictions you could be acting with criminal negligence, where you don't even, you're not even aware of the risk. Somebody dies, and you can be charged with an unintentional killing. So, right, so, like, so when I think about involuntary manslaughter, let's say I am texting while I'm driving, mm-hmm. and because I'm texting, I'm not seeing what's in front of me, and I kill somebody. Mm-hmm. I did not want to kill anybody. Right. I didn't intend to kill anybody. Right. Right? Right. But someone died. Right. So I was acting reckless because I'm personally aware of a risk that when you text you could cause serious bodily harm or death. Right. So that would be involuntary It could be. As long as like, you started to give the elements of recklessness, as long as you were consciously aware mm-hmm. of a substantial and unjustified risk mm-hmm. that 
the result, the death could occur. Well, it's up to the prosecution to prove that you acted recklessly, and the elements of reckless are that you are consciously aware of a substantial unjustifiable risk and that death could, would occur. Okay. So, for example, you are speeding at 100 miles an hour through a school zone. Okay. Right? At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You are aware that you are speeding. Right. Um, but why are you speeding? If you are racing a critically ill passenger to the hospital, it might be that your actions are justified. Okay. If you are racing home to watch your favorite episode of Tell Game you. of Thrones, <laughs> it's, you're not justified. So right. it's like a weighing. I see. So you have to be aware of a, a unjustified risk of harm. A substantial Substantial, one, right. Exactly. So if you're racing at 100 miles an hour at 3 in the morning mm-hmm. and somebody happens to get killed, it might be, well, that wasn't so substantial. Right. Okay, so it's yeah. very situational. Okay. And so, and some jurisdictions divide involuntary manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide, and then other jurisdictions just combine the two? Is that an other jur- Yes. Some jurisdictions will have a separate category for criminally negligent homicide. The model penal code jurisdictions will do that. Mm-hmm. Others will just make it um, a, a way in which to be found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. It really, really goes by how the jurisdiction has defined the offense. Okay. Some jurisdictions say negligence is enough. Mm-hmm. Some say it requires recklessness. Okay. All right. So thank you. This was great, helpful. Uh, so when you write an exam, mm-hmm. how do you test for homicide? Like, what would you ask in order to test a homicide yeah, in an essay? All right. So, so All right. I would test. Uh, I would give a fact pattern mm-hmm. where there should be some issue spotting as to mm, what type. There's a fact pattern where there's a killing involved. Okay. A death involved. Okay. And then the a question, death, right. a death, a right. death of, and now the question is, should the the defendant be charged with a homicide? Right. Some deaths are just purely accidental. Right. You know, it's right. not reckless and it's not negligent and it's not intentional. It's just a, a horrible tragedy. So, you, so you have to when you get the fact pattern. The best thing I think a student should do, from what you're saying, is figure out what the intent of the actor was. And then figure out which statute to right. plug that into. Right. And based on the facts, does it look like the um, defendant intended to kill the person? Does it look like the, per- the defendant was indifferent as to killing the person? Mm-hmm. Was the defendant involved in a homicide, in a felony that fits within the proper categories of felony murder? Or is it unintentional and then does it meet the requirements there? It's Got very it. fact-driven. Right. It's fact-driven, but I, I, you know, from when I talk criminal law, and you can agree or disagree, I think that the hardest thing for students was trying to make the facts fit their rule instead of the facts fit the given statute. Does that make sense? Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? You must look at the given statute. You don't want to waste time and energy discussing an element that's not within your statute. Right. You, you'll get nothing from discussing cooling off if you're in a jurisdiction that is using extreme emotional right. disturbance, you'll right. get nothing for discussing premeditation if your statute only talks about intentional right. murder. Right. So yes, you must fit it in um, the statute and where facts are um, not so clear-cut, you should back up your conclusion with a discussion as to why you've rejected the counter 
analysis. Right. Yes, that's true. That's a good point. You always pick up points that way. Right. So, yeah. all right. So, I guess the takeaway, it's very helpful, is that you can have an intentional or an unintentional murder. You can have an intentional or an unintentional manslaughter. Absolutely. That's and, 100% right. And that the statute rules and that different statutes have different types of voluntary manslaughter. And different statutes call murder one something different than... Right. And different statutes might not even use the term voluntary manslaughter. Right. Oh, there you go. say first-degree manslaughter. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right, great. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank Super you. helpful. Thanks. Okay. So that's my discussion with Professor Audrey Rogers. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. Have a topic you'd like us to cover or a particular professor with whom we should speak? Tweet us at Law to Fact. And don't forget to check out our website, www.lawtofact.com. Thanks to www.bensound.com for the music, and enjoy your day.